Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Work It. Work It is a new podcast all about entrepreneurs who happen to be women, hosted by me, journalist Angelica Malin, in collaboration with WorkLife. WorkLife believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. In fact, they think you can blend your work with your life to create a lifestyle you love all the time, not just outside the nine to five. So how exactly do they achieve this? By creating bright modern workspaces hinged on community, collaboration and a vibrant, nurturing culture. This week, I'm joined by Camilla Barnard, co-founder and brand director of Rude Health. We talk all things business, from how she started out around her kitchen table to building an incredible company that's been running 13 years. We discuss everything from what advice she'd give her younger self to investments, brand ethos and getting the branding spot on. I really enjoyed this episode and I hope it will inspire you. work it um, thank you so much for joining me today you are the co-founder and brand director of rude health i am thank you for having me it's a very prestigious title I, well it's yeah what are you going to call yourself <laughs> i started the business with my husband and i kind of do the brand bit there you go there you go amazing can you tell us a little bit about where you are now and what were you doing prior to starting rude health so now we are as business uh we are 13 years um into it and we are looking at all sorts of we're looking at international growth which is exciting and we're looking at lots of new foods and drinks which is exciting and we're looking at business growth which is exciting so there's lots of um it's all it's all looking extremely rosy um which wasn't hasn't always been the case um, in the 13 years since we started. And when we started 13 years ago, I'd never worked in food before, and nor had my husband, and nor had the other two people who founded the business with us. Um, so we were really getting into something we had absolutely no idea about <laughs> at all, which is probably why we did it, because I, I do think the less you know, the less you're scared. Yeah, yeah, you don't have that prior knowledge. No. What were you? What industry were you in uh, previously? I'd done various things, all related to Japan and Japanese, because that was what I studied at university, and that was something I was a place, a country, a culture I was really interested in. So I'd done fashion, I'd done recruitment, um, and I'd done some marketing, all sort of related to Japan. Probably the most interesting bit, in a way, was actually oddly uh, at a financial firm. Because it was a startup, and the people mm. I was working with were brilliant at what they did. What didn't work was that I was completely uninterested in the financial, thing, <laughs> yeah. which was the whole point it's of its a existence. It was a bit of an issue long term, um, but I did realise that I loved the excitement of of creating something that startup with great world. people. 
Yeah. Do you did you see yourself as an entrepreneurial person? Like when you were working for these other companies, did you think to yourself, "Oh, I'd quite like to run my own business or be involved in a startup?" It's funny that I I'd always had a sort of hankering to start my own business. I, we, I was a ridiculous interview while I was still a student. Someone said, "What do you want to do?" And I I think I'd said I'd like to have my own vineyard. I mean, I don't quite know where that came from, but there was a and and actually as a in secondary school, I think you know teachers had said what do you want to do and I'd said have my own business I don't know where it came from I don't know why because there's no nobody else in the family had I mean I think it's an independent streak rather than mm. a um, particularly entrepreneurial streak mm. I think well, I see entrepreneurial as someone who you know sort of keeps starting businesses almost can't help it yeah I, I don't think that's me but it was like an independence like a one I think to do your so own yeah thing. I think it was I think that's where it came from I think yeah. we're all a bit rebellious I think that might be part yeah, of it it's kind of not... I don't want to do what someone else says <laughs> exactly I don't really want to work for anyone else no. so I sort of I felt like I had no choice well, it wasn't I think... like oh I'm designed to be an entrepreneur I was it like nobody's gonna hire me I'm gonna get constantly well fired. exactly I think that's the thing once you've been I think certainly once you've been independent, it's a rare person mm. who's not been totally unemployable. Yeah, exactly. Once you do it for more than five years, oh. I think there is no way anyone's ever going to hire me. So this has to work out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And how did the uh, idea for Rude, about, Rude Health come about? Oh, it was so simple in the beginning. I mean, it was such a, we didn't have a sort of huge grand plan. It was simply that at the time, we felt that in breakfast cereals, uh, they weren't as good as they could be. And particularly muesli, which was at the healthy end of breakfast cereals, it was so not exciting mm. there was nothing on shelf then that you looked at and thought oh that looks delicious and that was really the fundamental sort of belief was there's, there's no reason that what's nourishing shouldn't also taste great mm. and we just felt that none of the mueslis out there was really tasting great mm. or looking like it tasted great didn't look very desirable so just a really simple concept it, something yeah. that was missing yeah and from there to like what the company is now it's amazing that that was just the initial idea because I think so many people now have this idea of creating these huge food brands yeah. and they're going to be everywhere and you are everywhere but the startup is something very simple and kind of tiny back absolutely it started it at the kitchen table we started it with very little money it was you know four thousand pounds to be precise and we just bought the, the tubs the ingredients some aprons branded aprons so that we could take it you know make it yeah. take it to local deli and see if they wanted it it was just enough to get us going and that was all and that was that we you know we sort of survived on that and then what came in for for the first couple of years mm. and we didn't know where it was going to go and we didn't have a clear plan we, we always sort of had an idea of what we wanted to do next but I don't think we ever had a clear plan of 10 years on or yeah some kind of huge global plan no so you started making the movies at Mm. home and then you took them to local delis yep and then from there like how did that expansion process happen did you get a manufacturer yes exactly so our timing at that stage was quite good because this was this was a long time ago in um 2006 when organic was still um well it was on the up it was positive thing um which is something we were really really believed in um people were into uh premium food at that stage so we got a good early reception we took it to local deli they were up for it and then it all happened organically so whole foods or fresh and wild as it was then said you know we'd love to take it but we can't buy it from you directly you need a distributor yeah. So then we went to Marigold, a really lovely distributor in London, and they said, well, you know, yes, we'd love to take it, but you really need more than one food. We can't just take one muesli, it's not worth it. And at the same time, we'd been to Riverford, a veg box scheme down in Devon, and they'd said, well, we love what you're doing, but it's the, the, the price point doesn't really quite fit with where we're at because we'd started with the ultimate muesli which had 26 ingredients we mm. still make it now it was it was just too much so that all came together and we obviously you know we we made some more mueslis 
got ourselves listed with Marigold, got ourselves into Fresh and Wild, got ourselves into Riverford. So it was all, it all sort of fed into everywhere. Every time you sort of knocked on a door, you might not get in, but you'd get a question that you then needed to mm. answer. So it sounds like there was a lot to do with mindset, was being open to people giving you sort of suggestions or saying what they would take True. and then you being yeah. flexible about I think, it. And I think you have to at the beginning because, well, if you're, you know, if like us, you didn't come from the industry and didn't have a clue what you were getting into, you've got, you know, you've got to listen to, to how things are done or what people want or, um, you know, feedback from tastings. When I mean, the reason we started, first thing we bought, apart from the actual pots and the ingredients, was aprons, was to go in store and do tastings. Obviously, to so that people could try the food and hopefully buy it. But actually, the feedback is huge, mm. and we still do them now. You know, we're still regularly in Whole Foods mm. and Planet and places um, because you learn so much. I mean, just the type of people or the questions that they ask, you just you just pick up loads. Mm. It's enormously valuable. Speaking to people, or getting that feedback, plus fascinating because you get to look in, other, in their basket, which is you know, it's like, oh, you're also exactly. getting the oatly or exactly. whatever. Exactly, it's as good as looking in friends' fridges. And, That's so funny. Cupboards. I feel like out of all the food brands that I buy, and definitely out of the cereals that I buy, that Rude Health has the strongest brand identity and brand voice, both in the terms of the packaging, as it just stands up so much on the shelf, but also the way in which you speak and the kind of the, the playfulness with the language you use on the on the packaging. Oh, God, I'm so pleased that, that no, I comes through. And Thank I feel you. like yeah. that comes through to everyone. And I definitely feel like when I go to my like local coffee shop to get a coffee and I see there's Rude Health Milk as one of the options, I always gravitate towards it. I mean, not just because I know yeah. you and I might get in trouble if I use <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I might, might have to kill you. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, what I wanted to ask is how organic was that process of creating that brand yeah. voice and feeding into the ethos as well? of the company it did it took us a long time it wasn't like a one hit wonder we started off in brown paper bags with very basic voice very simple very factual and then a couple of years in when we realized we wanted to go beyond the kind of delicatessen market we realized we needed to look different Mm. and we needed to have a tone of voice and that was our first sort of stab at it actually the tone of voice we got interestingly was the thing that has not changed and we still use the same copywriter to help us create it but we were really clear we wanted an honesty a real like punchy honesty Mm. but with you know with that element of fun like we take the food seriously but we don't take ourselves too seriously it's Mm. that sort of balance and obviously it's personal it does matter to us so to make sure that we communicated what what is what's important to us so the tone of voice we got really early but the whole look and feel um actually took us from the beginning it was eight years in that we got the look and feel that we've got really? now which i still love five years after having created it but it's it it's the first time when i feel and i still feel as if what we've done is we've managed to express who the brand is what the brand is it, it's like a living incarnation the packs are like a living incarnation of what we believe I don't know how to sort of express that it's like when a person goes outside how you you know what you're wearing and your makeup where everything Mm. else sort of expresses who you are and I I feel like the packs actually do that yeah and and the feedback is has been has been really you know fantastic from from 
that. Plus, it's enormously good fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it the the funness of the packaging, the playfulness, makes health a bit more accessible. It's sort of similar to yeah. yoga, where everyone feels yeah. like they have to be very serious because they're in yoga. And yeah. I go, there's one teacher I go to who'll just put on a bit of Britney halfway through, and everyone cracks a smile. And it's yeah. like, oh wait, it doesn't have to be like super serious, and we're all meditating inside. Yeah, it's so true. I, when I completely agree, because for me, food, the, the, sort of my approach to food. Um, I was talking to someone in the business about this the other day. Is that fundamentally, it's the highlight of our day. Three highlights in your day every day how good is that yeah so it's and it's all about eating with people and there was a study recently i think i read it in the guardian which was saying the single biggest indicator of mental health issues other than something i can't remember was the number of times people eat alone mm. and for me that was you know that was so important and it really made me uh, sort of re-realize that it's it's not just about pure nutrition you know it's not just about how much omega-3 we're getting or you know whatever it is it's actually eating is bigger than that it's a whole social experience and it's the whole thing obviously Mm. the nourishment element is really important but actually enjoying your food and sharing it with other people I think is massive so that's that's where the kind of fun plus I love eating I just love eating yeah three meals a day I'm happy yeah I mean it's amazing simple pleasure I think also in a time when health is so confusing to so many people and there's so many mixed messages about diets and how we should and shouldn't be eating yep. and lots of sort of food shaming and everything yep. to bring something playful and, and make, bring it back to nourishment and bring it back to enjoyment I think it is great well I hope so I hope sometimes. so that's it and it's awful you see you hear people and you see people and we get emails from people and contacts from people who have a terrible relationship with food you know mm. they're just worried by it anxious about it concerned about it it what they're eating what should they be eating are they doing the right thing and the, the terminology around it you know whether it's clean or not um, but it's yeah, like, I think that. we all imagine there's these food police that are just yes, around the corner yes, and they're going to come, come and get you I off. mean you came to my dinner the other night yeah. and I was um, I put caster sugar in my apple crumble <laughs> so and funny. I was wrapped with guilt about it because I thought well the, if the internet knew that I was doing actual white refined sugar rather than agave or some maple syrup I don't know and I, I was waiting for someone to tap me on the shoulder and be like what are you what doing? What are you doing? <laughs> exactly but yeah it's just not worth stressing about is yeah. it? I mean you know if you were eating if you were kind of mainlining caster sugar as your main diet then I'd say issues questions maybe but, I don't yeah. like to tell the internet this but I really like sugar in my tea and I, I just have a couple a day I mean it's, it's not terrible exactly and you just it's choosing isn't it it's choosing when you're gonna have it yes and that's really and that's really important exactly yeah, the minute you're eating and none of it's making you happy I think you're in big trouble yeah, you're like crying over your salad yeah um what advice could you give people on the branding mm. side of things if they're looking to launch a perhaps a food brand or yep. another um, was it the brief yeah. that you gave the agencies that helps in the end, point. but it took us a while to get to the point where we could even do a good brief. I think uh, what strikes me now is that a, a, a brand is, is a personality. And I, for me, it really helps to look at it like that. So when you're coming up with a brief, and we worked with other people to help us come up with it because you get too close to it in the business. But you're effectively uh, describing a person. And when you can do that really clearly then it's going to be much easier for a design agency to, or which actually it doesn't matter what agency, but you know, whether you've, because we did it specifically with design in mind, but you might be doing it, which I think why else you'd be doing a brand brief, but anyway, you might be doing something else. But if you can really nail that personality, you know, mm. who you are, what you stand for, who you're talking to, all the, all your values, all your beliefs as a brand, then it's really easy for the designers to take that and convert it into a visual. And it's the most exciting thing to feed in words mm. and to get back 
pictures. <laughs> it felt magical. Okay. It felt absolutely I can imagine. magical. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a fantastic moment. I remember going through it because we'd left it till absolutely the last minute. We had a we had a deadline. It was coming out with the dairy free drinks. And we had a launch date and we had a date that we had to have the designs ready and sent off to print. And we had nothing. I mean, we didn't, you know, had nothing at all. And if the design agency that we'd chosen had come back and we hadn't liked it, we were absolutely <laughs> stuffed. So we were slightly nervous going into that meeting. Thank God you liked it. Oh, the relief. Honestly, we saw page one. It was like, OK, OK, I could go with this. It's OK. <laughs> and then they just got better and better. I went, I went out practically skipping. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and it's great when those working relationships work. Like, really I've had, lovely. You know, we've yeah. all had so many that haven't worked, but something's nice and it's works like that. Brilliant when it does. And then, you know, when you get the calls saying, are you thinking about changing design agencies? Like, no, I'm really not. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> happy. really Thank not thinking much. of changing. Yeah. I'm like that with web design agencies. I've, been, I've dated yep. them. I've, it's like the yep. Tinder for us just swiping through every few weeks what's your average turnover it's bad it's actually awful they're sort of changing servers every two weeks at the moment but that's but crucial I, for you it's a huge part of your exactly. business and if you're outsourcing one of the main bits of your business yeah. it's quite scary yeah. um, but I, luckily I found a match recently that I think I'm going to stay with for a bit so <laughs> good luck with it that. won't be a yeah. fling we'll see um, <laughs> how important is social media to your brand I mean you guys have a yeah. hilarious tone of voice on, yeah. on platforms I love it good 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 it is fun it is really important actually and it uh well, when we first started using it, I'm trying to think when that was. I think we went on to Twitter in 2009 or something. It was probably even more important because we had no money at that stage. So that was, apart from the packs, that was it in terms of communication Well, and the odd tasting. It was enormously important. And at that time, it was also genuinely social media. It was genuinely free. Mm. Uh, so that was fantastic. And we used Twitter and we use Facebook and we now use Instagram too. I, it has changed. They aren't really so effective as a business now if you don't pay. Mm. It's, um, they're still vital. But I do feel a bit sad about that. It's inevitable um, and it's okay. But I sort of feel a bit sad for, I guess, the startups who aren't going to get the same organic mm. growth that uh, you could have done before all the algorithms deliberately made sure that mm. that's not possible as a brand, as a not person. But there's still a fantastic way, you know, if you're relatively small, I mean, we're still relatively small in the scheme of things, you know, we don't advertise. Um, they're a great way of connecting directly with your consumers and it's the social bit that I really like. It's the fact that you can get the comments back mm. whether or not they're what you want to hear. It's still really useful yeah um, you know, rather than just slapping something out there for which there's no feedback at all yeah what have you found effective for your audience on social what kind of stuff does well well different different things on different media um and we don't always do what we know is most effective so on instagram for a few years i mean we would have got way more followers or way more likes if we just posted endless pictures of pretty porridge there mm. was there was a time when you just porridge could do no wrong but it, you know we couldn't do that it wasn't us and and definitely pretty food is is the winner mm. um on on instagram it's it's just got to look beautiful but but it's not entirely what we want to say so we will kind of mix and match it's just a combination of trying to get across what we want to say or what we want and what we really want people to do is actually at the moment we're really keen for people to understand what being in rude health means mm. because we chose the name deliberately because it's that it actually comes from an old English expression, but it's that sense of absolutely overflowing with energy um, and full of life. Yeah. And it's and we'd love people to understand that because fundamentally we're more about that vibe than mm. about just food, just food. Yeah. yeah. Um, so trying trying to sort of get that across in a way that's engaging. Mm. Um, and obviously, 
Instagram that's visual, um, but on Twitter we find it's much people are much more interested in learning things and finding things out. So we do an awful lot of information sharing. All the articles that we've discovered that we find fascinating yeah. will stick out there on Twitter and, and share them around because that, that seems to be mm. the way it works. I don't know. What do you find? Do you find the same thing? Or? Um, yeah, we've obviously like yeah. anything food porny, mm. burgers or nice looking pancakes yeah. does really well. Yes. But we found tapping into niche communities yes. is, is a really great way. Yeah. So more with content than with social, but... For example, like one of our most popular features ever in about on about time was London's best Korean barbecue. I mean, it's ins- insane. It gets like something like forty thousand yeah. views a month, and I know. And you think, well, who's searching? But it's because it's a, a niche community, yeah. and they're looking for something specific for London, and it's not that covered on other magazines. No, so it's true. And things like vegan afternoon teas or like London's yeah. best ma- matcha lattes. That's yeah. the kind of popular stuff, so and I think it's an identity slightly more obscure. Yeah, is, yeah. Is oh, the more obscure yeah. the better. Like yeah. we really yeah. try and do that. So. Alicia and I will just go off on the weirdest little missions like she did a roundup on London's best salt beef sandwiches for a week she was like I never want to see one again <laughs> or I don't know like yeah. best chocolate fudge cake smaller things I think do well that does make sense though. and I am you know I do want to know I will go and have a look at where the number one Korean barbecue was because I do love a Korean barbecue so niche just so so niche <laughs> and I think with you like do you find with the vegan community yeah. they really embrace rude health complete mixture because I think what happens I think a lot of the vegan community eat drink rude health but at the same time Time. Some of them really don't like us at all because uh, I think that potentially they might assume that we're vegan mm. because they're buying, say, the almond milk and make you know, that you might think from that that we are vegan and we're not. We're actually huge fans of quality food across the board mm. and we're not against anything. And in fact, we really support um, high quality dairy. Mm. So you know, we want people to drink. If you're going to have milk, have really good quality milk. Um, and if you're having dairy-free, have really good quality dairy-free. And I think um, that causes some confusion. Mm. But we're not going to change. And I think that's the thing about the brand is that we're not going... Because veganism is now hugely fashionable, we're not mm. going to shift our message towards that because it's, you know, who we are is quality across the board. And I can't pretend that we are vegan. Yeah. You know, we've got vegan people who work with us, but... As a brand, we're not vegan. Yeah. So some of them, you know, some some vegan people um, love us, buy our food. Some <laughs> some other vegan people hate us and don't buy our food. <laughs> but I think it's, it's great that you're strong on that, and that is that is your brand. Yeah, and that's that's who we are, and it means that you'll stay, you know, in the way the trends disappear and stuff like that. Well, I hope so. <laughs> How much time do you spend on research and development into new products, <gasps> and is that the fun bit? Oh, it's so difficult to measure. Big, co- yeah, it is the fun bit, definitely. Um, hugely good fun, uh, and there's an element where we're doing it all the time. I've just come from speciality and fine food show where I wasn't specifically researching but you know you see what's happening or you see what's popular or you see you know what people are talking about and at the same time every every time I go shopping every time I go on holiday obviously very food related and you know you pick up on the trends everywhere getting inspiration yeah just getting inspiration or yeah it's constant and it's not just me as all of us we'll all come back with different food from different places and we're having fun at the moment we've got a bake-off thing going where we are all we've drawn drawn bakers from Bake Off and every time we go out we have to bake on the theme of that week <laughs> so I'm missing wagon wheels not wagon wheels yes I'm missing wagon wheels in the office they're homemade wagon oh, wheels no, I'm so sorry I just <laughs> ran out immediately and buy you one <laughs> homemade wagon wheels yeah I'm excited about homemade wagon wheels so hopefully there'll be one left tomorrow that's amazing <laughs> on the subject of teams yes that brings me on lovely yeah. in a lovely way too and um, what I want to talk about which was how you find the right people so firstly who were your first hires for Rude Health I'm interested in our 
first hire was someone we still work with. She's now, she worked with us in London when we were tiny, obviously. Um, she went home to Switzerland a few years ago and is now our Swiss distributor. So oh. that's rather nice. Our first senior hire was a qualified accountant because mm-hmm. neither, you know, I'm fundamentally a marketeer and Nick is a, my husband who runs it with me is entrepreneur, salesperson, manager. Um, neither of us has accounting as our primary <laughs> skill or primary interest. But we do recognize that it is primary importance. Mm-hmm. So that was our first senior hire. And I think it's, you know, if I were to give advice on that, it's about balancing out your skills mm. and what matters to the business. So yeah, it was, um, and he still works with us. He's our um, finance director. That's now. lovely. Yeah. How do you find the right people to hire? Can you spot it in oh, them? We've made so many mistakes, but I, th- I think we're getting better at it. It's a, there's a real combination of skills fit and culture fit. Mm. And and it, I don't think it is particularly easy, but trying to get both, you, you need both. Mm. It's not that that's that's the double whammy. And we've we've you know we've tried hiring people with the skills fit, and then the culture fit hasn't worked, mm. and it, that obviously that just doesn't work. But equally, there's no point in having someone who fits you culturally who can't bring what you need. Um, so it is a fine line, and I. I don't have a magic wand mm. at all. On that what one. kind of um, what ways have you hired people from, like the certain yeah. websites or recruitment? We have ve- we haven't used agencies in a big way. Actually, we've found a lot of people come to us or word of mouth introductions. We've done quite a lot of sort of serendipitous hiring mm. where somebody we've you know been introduced to someone who is obviously a great cultural fit and has some great skills, and then we'll actually almost look at the business and say. Is there a job there? And, and, and weirdly, I, mean, I know that's not, you know, anybody who is a business strategist or business planner would be absolutely appalled, but it has worked. Mm. Uh, but there are times when you have to be a bit more specific. But we haven't really used agencies very much. It's been mostly, we've used social media, actually. Mm. Um, I think we've used LinkedIn a bit. Yeah. Um, and we've used we've used things like Escape the City. You know, there's some slightly quirkier. slightly quirkier um, websites, but yeah, that's the main. The main and things. in terms of the culture of Rude mm. Health, I know that some of the challenges of the startup is you can't perhaps offer some of the perks that yeah. bigger companies yeah. can, and um, that retention rate can be quite hard. How do you create like a good office vibe? Or is there anything you've learned along the way about creating a nice you'd, culture? Yeah, you'd have to ask everyone else, not me, on that one really. But um, I hope that it is a good office vibe, um, and it's. I mean, it's hugely important to me because it's. I, I want it to be somewhere that I want to go, mm. and I want it to be somewhere that, the same for everyone else who's who's there. So. I, I hope it's a you know it's a good lifestyle choice. We've got people who've had babies and come back, and we've got a lovely. I mean, the other day, one of our Instagram stories was the team had organised bringing somebody bringing in their pasta maker, and they'd done homemade pasta for lunch, and we're all eating together. So there's a really there is a really nice social vibe mm. um, that works really well, and I think it's crucial for rude health can only work if people are sort of expressing themselves in their jobs if you come in and just tick some boxes it's it's not going to work in in the same way so it's really important to me that everybody is who they are Mm. and can be that at work and I think that if they do I think that really lends itself then into a great community whether we're getting it right or not all the time I mean I'm sure we're not getting it right all the time but it's something that that's really important and I want to keep on Mm. developing so that Yes, if we're not offering the same, as you say, the same financial benefits that a big company would offer, then that should be balanced out by 
offering a lifestyle and mm. engagement. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think it's the excitement is getting people passionate about the company. And like that mm. excitement is such a perk in itself because so many people dread going to work. I know, and that's awful. I know. Yeah. And it's just, it takes up such a huge part of your day. Yeah. You know, like how can you just exist just on the bits outside of the nine to five? It's really... It, yes, exactly. exactly. Yes, a complete... A complete and you get loads of free muesli. So. You get, you're endless. You can have... Yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. much porridge as you like. Exactly. You're not, you're not going to go hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, on to the nitty gritty of yes. money. Yep. I would like to know, is there anything that you... Well, firstly, yeah. did you take investment with the company? Not initially. We did the first two years on the £4,000 we put in and then just what we got back. Um, and that actually worked really well. I mean, if somebody had offered us money at the time, we would we would have taken it, no mm. questions asked. But I think we would have whizzed through it and possibly not learned very much and or spent it on all the wrong things. I think having that two years, almost live research, mm. was enormously valuable. So by the time two years in we needed to do some branding and you know fix our packaging we were much clearer about what we needed to do specifically so when we then did we raised some money from friends and family when we did that we knew exactly where it was going to go and we spent it um you know wisely and in a focused way i think when you start it's so difficult to know what's going to make the biggest difference it's incredibly easy to plow through loads I mean yeah. you know however much people give you you could probably spend it it's very easy it's very easy to spend the money it's easy to spend someone else's money it's really easy to spend someone else's money and I think that's actually that's a really good point because for me I think the thing is spend it like it's your own money mm. always I just think that's such a good rule and if you're not if you're thinking if it was mine would I then yeah. maybe don't so did you only raise through friends and family? Did you ever go yeah. through like a VC or anything? No, we didn't actually. Um, it was only friends and family. And of course that was uh, that was just at the beginning of 2008. Then there was the crash. Mm. And then uh, for the next two years, we probably couldn't have raised uh, money for love or money. Mm. And then, you know, since then it's been, uh, we did another friends and family um, round. And uh, yeah, that's been it. Is that is that nicing it through the friends and family? Well, route? it just there wasn't at the time there wasn't crowdfunding. I mean, I wonder if we would have crowdfunded if mm. that had been available. I'm not sure. I don't know. Don't know much about it. Um, banks weren't really an option, so it was the obvious route mm. to go down. Mm. Um, and you know, it, it, you retain complete independence, which is always you know being independent and making our own decisions has always been really important. Did you ever have a case where you went to like dinner parties with friends and they'd be like, "Where's my money"? No, we haven't. No, no, actually, they've always been amazing. Uh, No, actually, fantastically. Yeah, that could be a danger. (laughs) None of my personal friends uh, have invested, and I actually would have really struggled to have close friends invested in the business. Just the the pressure, particularly during the recession, was already plenty, and the idea that I might lose my friends' money as well as my own would have been just too much. Too much. I only asked because I interviewed someone um, who founded Oppo Ice Cream, and they did they did crowdfunding, and um, they had something like the world like a world record for oh, the amount brilliant. of people yeah. in, involved yeah. i think they had like a sign like 150 um uh, people that were involved in the business and he was at heathrow airport and someone tapped on the shoulder he said i've i've funded off how's it going no he, way. Like, he said everywhere i go someone is someone they raised oh. 1.5 million and so there's a lot of that's people a lot. that's it's a lot, lot of money yeah. yeah it's impressive and so everywhere he goes in the street someone's invested in off you can't run away from your own business no but at least it's a proper account you know it's a proper platform yeah. Um, yeah. They've given. They've given all. I think the, they're doing well. It so can go fine. down as well as up. Kind yeah. of warnings. Yeah. Is there anything in the early days that you spent money on which you regretted that you look back on now? Uh, gosh, that's a good question. I mean, we were incredibly careful. 
And of course, the recession actually made us incredibly careful for years afterwards. You get into a mindset of being ridiculously careful. Yeah. We did do a sampling once really early on where we wanted to make it experiential rather than just handing out free samples. So we wanted to play on the, uh, how did we put it? It was like the transparency of the food. And, and that. so we had people roller skating around in nude suits but they just weren't good enough it just wasn't and it just didn't it just wasn't you know no no it just wasn't happening no no did you outsource a lot like did you ever take on agencies such as like pr agencies actually we did for that it was an agency who organized that and that was probably the thing that made me question agencies more than anything else just because i think i'd assumed that they would always know more than we did mm. and, you know, be better at it than we were because they specialise in it and they have the experience. But what I've come to believe is actually if it's your business, you, you may not know about whether it's experiential marketing or whatever, but you absolutely know your business and you care more than anyone else. So even if you don't have a huge amount of experience, you'll probably do a better job yourself. Yeah. Than an agency. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you spent money on that you're like, that was 100% worth it? Like, that's that was crucial for us. Um, I think the copywriting, hiring qualified people, you know, like hiring qualified an accountant. When we did the design, the des- hiring a design, we could no way have done that ourselves. Mm. No way. Um, so always, we've always paid for copywriting. We've always paid for designing. Uh, websites haven't got much choice there, um, yeah. but it's a nightmare. I'd uh, also say, like, invest in a good website. Like, God, we've spent a lot of money having yeah. to... You, you row yeah. yourself onto an island when you do bad coding, and then it costs more to get someone to figure out what on earth's oh. going on and fix it. The whole world of websites seems to be... We've just launched a new one, which we're really delighted um, with. Um, it's the same. It's still rude health.com but we've just re- rebuilt it again and yet it was another it was a bigger project than we thought mm. it always is mm. always involves starting from scratch again it doesn't matter how much you think you future proofed it <laughs> always involves starting from, always scratch. from scratch there's always an issue with who's uploading the content at the end even if you've gone through it at the beginning it's amazing every time websites yeah, always the same websites God, man i, I wait, honestly wish i picked a different industry behind it <laughs> and they're technical so you don't really understand no you don't re- that's the real killer honestly and they'll tell yeah. you one agency will tell you one yep. price and another i we had something quite recently where they said we need a, a varnish on the website i was like what is it a chair so anyway we needed a varnish what on the is, website so what is a varnish? oh it's like if your images um aren't loading quick enough because you've got too many we have uh, twenty thousand images on okay, about yeah, time you're gonna have you need a varnish yeah. to go over it all and sort of speed the thing I don't know speed the thing up so one agency told me it was going to cost £100 another agency told me it was going to cost a grand and that was like I don't know who's lying to me here but this is what it's like when you don't know these things you just go "All right, well that sounds about reasonable and here you go yes exactly it's it's guesswork (laughs) it's guesswork yeah you don't completely just in terms of giving advice to other people what well two things first firstly what kind of mindset do you think you need to have to run a business of your own what have you learnt skills wise and in terms of entrepreneurial mindset there's so many different ways of doing it but for me I couldn't have done it on my own I think I absolutely needed a partner to do it with but that's not everybody I think so but I think that's quite a common one it's really hard on your own it's just lonely you need someone to let off steam you need someone who's up when you're down Mm, and to celebrate with skills celebrate with share so I I think doing it on your own is a really tough call and what else did I say it is, I think we all start thinking lifestyle, you know, it's going to be my own business, I can do what I want. Of course, it, it owns you for years because it's it's 24 hours a day, 365 mm-hmm. days a year, in the sense that it, you're when you start, there's 
so there's no one else doing it. So if something needs doing, you're going to have to do it. Um, so you do have to sort of, you do have to be pretty committed, I think. And uh, and it's not patient exactly, but you've just got to stick at it. I mean, we didn't, you know, we've, People say, you know, say to me now, "Wow, I love root health. It's amazing." You know, how on earth did you do it? Well, it's taken thirteen years. Yeah. You know, it was nothing it, was overnight. Nothing was overnight for us. Mm. You know, it wasn't a sort of you know we appeared and everything was swimmingly amazing. Mm. It, it's taken us thirteen years of hard work. So you do have to stick at it. And then, I think for me, what's meant that I've actually loved that all the way through is is the learning. There's always it's constant learning and con- and the, and the bit that I love is the making the new foods and drinks and that's sort of what we've become which again you know wasn't built in from the beginning mm. we were in breakfast cereals but now it's dairy free drinks mm. and snacks and um you know we've got a new very delicious whole bars. new bars and we've got a whole new um range of things coming out we just launched the cornitas recently which are a little um sort of corn chip with with beans and pulses in so doing the new stuff I find a love mm. it's, it's just enormously exciting and I think having that the bit of it that really fuels me is is what keeps the kind of fun going but you've yeah. got to love learning you've got to be committed you've got to be prepared for a bit of a slog although probably if I'd known I might have taken one look at it and run <laughs> how many late nights we're gonna yeah, pull. how much stress how much um what yeah. do you what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself <gasps> I found that one really difficult I don't know because it would be a question of believing it I mean I think in a way it was believing in myself but I don't think telling me that would have made any difference mm. I actually think that it's through doing it that I do now think you know this business hasn't happened by accident I was there I was part of it I was part of what made it happen and I you know I actually have to give myself some of that credit but I don't think I could you have can said. give yourself all the credit as far as I'm it concerned it wasn't just me there was as quite far as I'm concerned <laughs> you quite can have a lot of us involved but um but I found that quite difficult because I always think you know someone else probably knows better has had more training or done something else but I think no no actually we've done pretty well mm. we've you know and but yes, I don't think if I'd set, told myself that it would have made any difference. I yeah. think I actually had to do it. To but I think it. your way of thinking of thinking someone else could do better is yeah. much better than the opposite, which is I know it, I know it's, better. Yeah. So at least you're flexible in your approach, even if you're a bit self-doubting. Yes. And it does mean you learn because mm. you're assuming you're always you've always got it's true. So it, may, it probably has some advantages. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. your plus side. And finally, um, being a woman in business, mm. have you ever have you felt that along the way? Has it been something that you've kind of identified being a female entrepreneur, or do you just feel like an entrepreneur? Um, I yeah, no, not I haven't hugely. Although I do find that my sort of network tends to be other women. Mm. Um, so I tend to spend social time, you know, and and any I mean I, formal business networking I don't really do. But my business connections tend to be women, and I do. I think I just just a perspective thing, or the way we socialise. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, and I haven't come across. There's been no sort of you know nightmare stories or anything um but yeah i tend i tend to hang out more with other female businesswomen yeah well yeah you would be a female businesswoman wouldn't you <laughs> i think it's because we're a bit better <laughs> we're amazing <laughs> we are amazing well camilla you've been an absolute dream thank you so much for talking no, to me thank you and it's telling us great. all the secrets of rude sorry health. about my slightly croaky voice for being slightly not in rude health but <laughs> it's a one-off <laughs> absolutely fine I really feel like a a hazelnut hot chocolate now I want to go get one what an excellent idea (laughs) thank Thank you you. millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option 
I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. inspired by this episode and are thinking of starting a venture of your own then there's a home for you at work life you can find out more about their amazing co-working spaces all across london and in reading at work.life and don't forget to rate review and subscribe there'll be a new episode out every monday Candy Store production for Work Life, hosted by Angelica Malin and produced by Van Connor. T-shirt weather by Poddington Bear appears under Creative Commons 3.0 with podcast recording facilities in partnership with Work Life. Visit work.life for more information and you can find us at candystoreproductions.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.